0: Hello, and welcome to day 11 of 12 of the 12 days of tomfoolery.
1: Hi, Kate. woo Hi, Tiffany. Yay! Yay. So we are moving into the 11th house, um, traditionally ruled by Aquarius. Aquarius is ruler uh, traditionally with Saturn, but since Uranus has been found, so for the last, like, I don't know how many years, actually, for, for the last good chunk of time. Uh, uranus has been its ruler and uranus is the great disruptor um kind of brilliant flashes that come in divine inspiration but also divine rearranging of things just kind of like a what the fuck moment is is uranus whenever uranus is messing with your chart it's just like what (laughs) what is going on um so the 11th house refers to the community uh, it refers to gains, it refers to, f- refers to friendships, and it also, because of its rulership with Uranus, uh, refers to technology. Um, technology definitely comes under their social media, all new technology, all that kind of stuff. Um, so Tiffany, what are you going to start us with? Well, do you know who invented electric Christmas lights? I do not.
0: Thomas Edison, the inventor of the first successful practical light bulb, created the very first strand of electric lights. During the Christmas season of 1880, these strands were strung around the outside of his Menlo Park laboratory.
1: Which, by the way, there's a museum here called uh, the Henry Ford Museum. And it's in the summer. It's called uh, Greenfield Village. And it's got all these old historic traditional places that Ford bought from like different areas of the country and like had them take down those frames of and then reconstruct on this like village and Thomas Edison's whole uh like laboratory is there. It's like Thomas Edison's childhood shit and his like all of his lab. So I've been in Thomas Edison's lab reconstructed, but the actual like place just moved over here.
0: What an excellent addition to the story. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's very aquarian to do that to like pick up someone's home and move it across the country. Very strange, but he did do it. But he did. But he did. So
0: during the Christmas season of 1880, these strands were strung around the outside of his Menlo Park laboratory slash laboratory. Sorry. I watched Dexter's (laughs) lab as a kid and I have to say laboratory because that's how he enunciated that. And it ruined my ability to just say the word normally ever in my life so
1: i like it It sounds very refined laboratory
0: i i'm so sorry it's like i can't stop saying it anyway the railway passengers oh guess i will traveling by the laboratory got their first look at, at an electrical light display but it would take almost 40 years for the electric christmas lights to become the tradition that we know and love before a electric christmas lights families would use candles to light their christmas trees see kate i told you candles they used candles to light their christmas trees yeah uh, yeah i don't like it <laughs> i don't Ultra, like Ultra mega it. big humongous yikes so yeah. the practice was often dangerous you won't sing, and led to many so sorry home fires edward h yeah. johnson but the yep yeah, we're gonna so edward h johnson Put the very first string of electric Christmas lights together in 1882. Johnson, Edison's friend and partner in the Edison's Illumination Company, hand-wired 80 red, white, and blue light bulbs and wound them around his Christmas tree. So, not only was the tree illuminated with electricity, it also revolved. And in the article I have, it's like totally old school. And it says, The National Christmas Tree... Presented to President Coolidge by the Middlebury College as a gift from his home state, it has been set up in Wash, D.C., uh, Washington, D.C. Immediately behind the White House, and it's literally Wash okay. D.C. No, well, that's how they that's wrote what it. The best friends article. call it Oh, Washington." Don't even D.C. start. It was literally like split type from a typewriter. So funny. It's super it's just cute. Funny it's huge. No, it's super cute. <laughs> you shot not okay. you shall not
1: come after me it's <laughs> super cute okay wash dc and i are on a wash dc basis it's too so
0: cute how, how dare you ever, however segue the world has not quite ready for electrical illumination according to kate just kidding According to this article. <laughs> there was a mis- there was a great mistrust of the electricity, and it would take many more years for the society to decorate its Christmas trees and acceptance of indoor electric Christmas lights. But in 1895, President Cleveland requested that the White House family Christmas tree be illuminated by hundreds of multicolored electric light bulbs on Christmas
1: Eve. you setting 19- a good example. Cut out the candles. Cut the candle shit. Put some lights under sure you guys. Please. Uh, I mean, you're absolutely right, but okay. So,
0: on Christmas 1923, President Calvin Coolidge began the country's celebration of Christmas by lighting the national Christmas tree with 3,000 electric lights on the ellipse located south of the White House. Then they show a picture saying, Merry Christmas, peace on earth, and goodwill to men. Until 1903, when General Electric began to offer the pre-assembled kits of Christmas lights, string lights were reserved for the wealthy and electrically savvy. The wiring of electric lights was very expensive and required the hiring of services of wiremen, our midday electrician. According to some, to light an average Christmas tree with electric lights before 1903 would have cost about $2,000 in today's dollars. Jesus
1: Christ. Literally.
0: Thomas Edison and Edward H. Johnson may have been the first to create Electric Strands of Light in 1880 and 1882. It was Albert Sadaku who saw a future in selling electric Christmas lights. The Sadaka family owned a novelty lighting company in 1917, Albert. A teenager at the time suggested that its store offered brightly colored strands of Christmas lights to the public. By NOMA, a trade association, NOMA soon became... Noma electric with its members cornering the Christmas light market in the 1960s today to see the holiday season become a glow with electric strand of light. Think of the variety and range of Christmas lights available in today's market. We can be grateful to Thomas Edison and Edward H. Johnson and Albert Sadaka for illuminating our
1: holiday season. Thanks guys. Moving into it. We, we briefly touched on this last episode. Um, But I was looking for kind of, you know, Christmas technology to to fit in with the theme. And I did find, just keep finding these things that just crack me up. Um, So I'm not entirely sure if this was a thing prior to COVID or if it has become a bigger thing. I assume it's become a bigger thing since COVID. There are all these services that offer virtual Santa uh, visits. So Again, just to double down on the Santa you, it, it truly is. I, I misspoke in the last episode. It truly is a uh, recession-proof kind of anything-proof job because you can do it. Awesome from your own little cottage in the North Pole. Um, so I found a lot of of different um, like organizations that do this, but this one is what really cracked me up because they take it they take it real seriously, um, and it is called Santa's Club. So it says, Preserve childhood memories, the Santa's club way. And it's a very snazzy website. Also, just for anyone who's interested in doing this, personalized video messages are available until December 20th. So, although I think it is the 20th. So uh, this is going to be in the future. Forget I said that. Um, It says, we offer the most intimate live video conversations with Santa Claus, no moms, No lines, no stress. And then underneath it, they have featured in ABC, Forbes, CNBC. So this is the elite virtual Santa experience. Um, So you can have virtual Santa visits, personalized virtual visits with Santa from the convenience, comfort, and safety of home. You pour the cocoa, we'll provide the magic. The lasting memories will follow. Um, These are the packages they offer. Uh, a personalized message from Santa. How much do you think? What would you be willing to pay for that? Actually, you're a mom. Just curious. I mean, my daughter is two, so they just send it to you. I'm lot. just asking. I'm just because I'm just curious. Like, I don't think this is outrageously priced. I just I'm wondering what like what yeah, do you think about? Would... Nah, I wouldn't do it. Waste of my money. Okay, so zero dollars. Zero. So I'm just okay. I'm
0: just, I mean, just trying to ask what you. She would... just doesn't have the depth of understanding. Waste okay. of my money.
1: I was just trying to ask, like, what you think it would cost. <laughs> sorry. Okay. There's just there's just no. It's it's a moral. <laughs> I you picked the wrong the line. So sorry. Can't even can't even guess You're so offended by it. Um, okay. Well, it's thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah. So for that, sandal. Too much. I agree. <laughs> uh, Santa will record a video just for you. A video message from Santa, personalized for one child. Uh, You can option to personalize for a classroom, workplace, or team. Additional fees apply. So it's one kid, but your entire workplace can have it. I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, For a live video conversation with Santa, $54.99. Then you get to meet Santa live from the North Pole. And you can bring up to three kids into that one. So if you got three kids, that's, you know... That's a nice deal and you also have an option to book extra time with Santa at the checkout. And then the the best one, the highest experience and it is also sold out. I guess there's not enough graduates from Santa U is the complete Santa's Club experience for 74.99. Uh treat your loved ones this year to the complete Santa's Club experience. Live video conversation with Santa, mailed invitation from the North Pole with a magical letter and wristband actually that would be so dope if i was a kid i would have lost my mind. yeah um yeah it is actually really cool uh includes ups priority shipping with tracking we'll be sent we'll be sending invitations to november 1st again you can have up to three kids for that so that is really cute um and then they have in there hold on let me get to it um their facts. I like how they sell it. How is the Santa's Club different uh, than an in-person visit at the mall? It's more convenient. Yes, it is. You'll get more time with Santa. Uh, you only get a thirty-second visit usually at the mall, but in Santa's Club, you get a full five plus minutes with an option to upgrade and double your time with Santa at checkout. So if you're having the time of your life with Santa, mm-hmm. you can extend that. You can extend that. Um, it's personalized. It's more realistic. Your Santa's uh, club visit will be broadcast live from Santa's cabin in the North Pole. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess it would be more realistic. And my favorite, the last one, it's not creepy. Yeah. <laughs> your child will feel safe and won't have to ask to <laughs> ask them to sit on a complete stranger's lap. Oh, you can no. now visit while, with Santa while wearing your favorite pajamas and sipping hot cocoa. Valid point. It really is creepy. Um. They've got more – well, I'm just trying to find some more funny ones. You can get a gift certificate. Um, uh, How does Santa's Club ensure personalized visit for each child? Our goal is to make your child's visit with Santa as magical as possible. During the sign-up process, you will have the opportunity to share as little or as much information about your uh, children as you would like. The more you share, the more personalized Santa can make your visit. That is actually really cute, though. You know, like if you're like, my kid loves ponies and – yeah, and then they've got like how to make sure you best prepare for your visit. It's very this is very like it's a real business. And then they have the bla- one of their facts. What did Santa say to Mrs. Claus? It's going to reindeer. <laughs> oh my! Uh, I know, I know. So uh, that was my little thing I, I found about uh, virtual Santas, but it is a whole thing. Like it's not just that one. There's all sorts of a uh, virtual. Santa's you can go to. So technology is bringing the North Pole to your home these days, which I thought was kind of cute and kind of cool.
0: Okay, Kate. uh, Can I just go ahead and squash all those good feelings you put out there and talk about Hans Trapp?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, do it.
0: The Terror of the Children of Alsace.
1: Oh, God. Germany, man.
0: Well, okay. The Terrible Tale of Hans Trapp, the Christmas Scarecrow. The holidays are seen as a time of peace, goodwill, and generosity. We gather with friends and family, share gifts, and eat huge, decadent meals with all the trimmings. At the root of all these celebrations, however, is a very dark and grim past. The legend of St. Nicholas, Santa Claus himself, began with the tale of the Greek Bishop of Myrna, a Roman town in Turkey in the late 3rd to early 4th century. As one fantastical story goes, Bishop Nicholas once discovered that an innkeeper had murdered three children and cut up their bodies into pieces, and yet Nicholas was still able to revive them. Along with the many good deeds of his zealous Christian in a time of heavy persecution, these tales cemented Nicholas' place as a saint, a protector of children, and a generous gift giver. If Santa Claus himself can revive the dead, though, wait until you meet the fearsome anti-Santa Hans Trapp. Who was he? For as long as there's been jolly old St. Nick providing gifts for well-behaved children, there has always been someone or something else filled with the role of his counterpart, of punishing the naughty ones. These fearsome figures range from the iconic horned Krampus to Perchta, the shape-shifting Christmas witch who fills disobedient children's bellies with straw. The terrifying Hans Trapp is possibly the worst of all, though. One story in particular describes an instance where he stabbed a child, sliced him into tiny pieces, and cooked and ate his flesh. The legend of the Christmas scarecrow is well known in the French regions of Alsace and Lorraine, Lorraine. I don't know Hans Trapp, according to the story lived in 1400s, a rich and powerful merciless man who was feared by the people of Alsace. His thirst for power was so great that he turned the deals with the devil to enhance his power and status. Hearing of this, the Pope himself excommunicated Trapp after which he was banished from Alsace and his wealth and lands confiscated. All of which is nothing compared to what came next. The Christmas Boogeyman. Trop was reduced to constructing a makeshift home in the mountains of Bavaria, in Germany. And the legend goes on. Here, he continued to brood, and his evil desires festered. He developed a hankering to try the taste of human flesh, and finally, he became the dreaded Christmas Scarecrow, adorned in straws as a disguise. He would wait on lonely roads for a victim. A boy aged around 10 happened across his path one day and Trap stabbed the unfortunate shepherd's boy with a, with a vicious, sharp stick. With the body safely back at his lair, Trap sliced it into pieces and roasted it, but before he could eat it, he was struck by a divine lightning bolt and killed. Today, naughty children are warned against Hans Strapp's spirit that lingers on and that he may visit them in his scarecrow disguise if they don't mend their ways. A popular boogeyman and a frightening tall tale, you may think, but nothing more than that. Sadly, though, we've got some bad news. The story seems to be inspired by the incredible true tale of a real person. So the man who inspired the legend was a man named Hans von Trotha. He was a knight who lived from 1450 to 1503. He commanded two castles in the Palatine, French-German territory, but became embroiled in an argument with the church over the property of one of them. The abbot could not concede certain properties to von Trotha so the embittered knights stopped the supply of water to the nearby town of Weissenburg with a dam in retaliation the abbot had the dam destroyed which flooded the villagers' homes and businesses the dispute continued until just after hans trap sorry the dispute continued just as with hans Trapp, the knight was summoned by the pope himself and excommunicated while there's no record of von trotha turning to cannibalism and hunting children while dressed as a scarecrow what we know of Hans von Trotha's life is also extraordinary. Even the emperor's intervention wasn't enough to put a stop to the knight's battle with the abbot of the Weissenberg Abbey, which is exactly why Pope Innocent VIII came into the picture in the first place. On his summoning to successor Alexander VI's papal court, von Trotha refused to attend. Instead, he sent a letter to the pope which expounded on von Trotha's faith while accusing the pope of all manner of impure acts. Even excommunicated, the wily von Trotha did well for himself, serving the French royal court. He was given the Chevalier d'Or by King Louis VII on and on his death, all charges against him were reversed and forgiven. Something of his notoriety lived on, though, and not only in Han's trap. Local lessons also refer to him as the Black Knight, a formidable specter that was also sometimes said to accompany Santa Claus and punish children who were unworthy of gifts.
1: There's lots of those bad dudes over in Europe truly
0: (laughs) truly sorry i just feel drained after reading that it was
1: so the scarecrow part makes it extra scary to me scarecrows are terrifying yeah it's a little yeah it is very children of the corn you want to
0: just say merry christmas and
1: let's move on (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) merry christmas we love oh, you guys.
0: happy holidays. We love you guys. Bye.